Feel the rhythm. The highlight of your week has arrived, Andrew. Yes, it has. Feel the rhyme. I don't know how to say your Instagram handle, so I'm not even going to try. Get on up. It's 11 o'clock on a Saturday. We all know what that means. That you're probably keeping me from watching a Liverpool game? Yep. It's podcast time. Gentlemen, welcome to the final week of spring. If you're listening from Ohio, I hope you're able to download this episode from your boats because Ohio has become the sixth great lake, Lake Ohio. It does not stop raining. Well, it's not even summer yet, and both Andrew and Thomas have already had vacations. Thomas, welcome back. How was Uh, the vacation? Thanks for having me. No, it was great. I mean, I missed the last episode because I was sick and not uh, feeling too great. And then uh, that sickness carried all the way. It carried a good week um, because I didn't feel better until our first day. Um, No, the trip was the trip was great. We went down to Savannah, Georgia. My sister um, got married last week, and the, the drive down, we, I have a nine and a seven-year-old and a 17-month-old, and I kind of have um, a bone to pick with you, Adam, um, and not just you, other people too, but on the way down, my 17-month-old, um, he had some car seat issues where he wasn't really enjoying being in his car seat. He got a pretty stiff neck from the position he was sitting in, okay. which we ended up having to you know, change the feng shui of the car seat cushions and all that stuff, but... He threw up a couple times. Um, that was great. Uh, it was a good 12-hour trip. Um, he was awake and crying for probably over half of it. Um, so it was um, the drive was was horrible, but everything else uh, was pretty good. We it was if you've never been to Savannah, Georgia, let me tell you, it is a gem of a city. It is an amazing place. I've heard good things. What is it with family vacations? And kids getting sick. It's just family vacations, period. No offense to my kids. I love my kids very much. But a family vacation is not fun. (laughs) (laughs) A family vacation is like the stress of parenting. You're just doing it at a place that you're not comfortable with. You're just doing it at a new location. Everybody's uh, confined together. Well, we did have, luckily we had good weather. Uh, we only had one day where the rain kind of kept us inside. And that, even then, that wasn't too bad because it was also the same day as my sister's rehearsal dinner and the rehearsal. So that kind of kept our mind off of things and we didn't have too much cabin fever. We we went to the beach every day. We were there from Saturday to Saturday. And I think I had my feet in the sand every day, but that one day that we had some pretty pretty heavy rain. But my wife and I, we celebrated our anniversary down there. We just celebrated 11 years of marriage. Um, So we, thank you. Thank you. We had a great, we had a great time. I was my sister's man of honor at the wedding. So this is my, uh, this is my sister's thing. And she's like, I don't care if it's traditional. I'm going to do whatever I want with this wedding. So her and her husband, they, they did their own thing. It was in Forsyth park, which if you've never looked it up, look it up. There's a huge fountain inside the park and people from all over go and visit this park in Savannah, Georgia. Well, my sister rented out part of it and she got married outside in front of this huge fountain. And it was, it was pretty sweet. I gave a speech at the reception, which I was a little nervous about. I've never given a wedding speech. I feel like that's a, 
I talk to people for a living. I'm a trainer, so I talk to folks all the time. That's a little different. Talking about insurance is different than somebody's really important day where they're celebrating their marriage and they're celebrating spending their lives together. And I'm like up there trying to entertain people and not crack too many, you know, inappropriate jokes at my sister and her husband's expense, I should say, because they're married now. And no, it was, it was good. I dropped a lot of, dropped a lot of humor in there as per the huge, which you gents are all used to, I'm sure in our loyal listening group. But I talked a lot more during that speech than I probably do in any episode of Rust Belt Running. So. Until today. Until today, because I'm, I, I usually don't have my own segments unless I'm no. handing it off to you folks. No. So it feels kind of weird having the, the stage. And one more thing I should mention, and I mentioned this on the Instagram story, and I have a question for both of you. Did the password change <laughs> to the Instagram? to the social media profiles. Did the password change at all? Because I told you guys before I left that, A, I'm not going to do an outline. Two, I'm not doing any social media. And I got back and there was nothing. That's yeah, true. we were bad. We were very I'm, bad. I think about, I'm spoiling you guys. We were very to be bad fair, about listener engagement. Got here. So what was that? What was that? The, what? I said, to be fair, we weren't doing it before you got here, so. But I thought maybe this is like the the baby bird or the baby bird, the mommy bird. I'm the mommy bird, this analogy. And I'm helping you guys flap your wings and get out of the nest and fly on your own. And I came back from my trip and you guys are just sitting in that nest, chilling. (laughs) It's not leave yet. I know this is not supposed to be done on a podcast because it's a it's a an audio it's an audio media, but on my camera was Thomas Costello flapping his arms like a bird during that entire talk. I bring a video commitment to an audio podcast, so you should appreciate that. Well, fall training, the cycle for fall training is going to be beginning, which is what we're gonna be talking about today. So Thomas I've got lots that I can be posting about. I'm recommitting. It started yesterday with my towpath 10 mile race, and I'm recommitting to the social media aspect of this enterprise. Thank goodness. I can't do this alone. No. I got like a million kids. I'm in school, full-time work. You guys got to step it up. I got to I'm not getting paid enough. I have I have 300% more kids than you, Andrew. True. And I have zero kids, so there's not even a way to determine a percentage. Mathematically, it's not possible. Mathematically, well, I think it's you have no excuse. I think because of your age range, though, technology is not as easy. Wow. <laughs> I, I love you. I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> hey, Andrew, let's start us off. <laughs> well, Adam can never break away from his tempo run. Um so, all right, well, welcome everyone. This is episode 24 of Rust Belt Running, and we are off to a flying start. Um, I'm Andrew Hedinger, and we have Adam and Thomas, as always. So happy to have Thomas back. We missed you on the last episode. Oh, stop it. It was very weird. <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I didn't know. I felt so free, but I didn't like the freedom. That's why I stay in the nest. <laughs> right. 
It's almost summer, so our pod schedule is going to be a little bit more relaxed. We might miss a week here or there. We got family things going on. Uh, we're also a little tired. I'm very tired because I woke up at 5.15 this morning. All right, we've had the Cleveland Marathon build up. <laughs> we've had vacation. Now it's time to start talking about fall training. So today we're going to talk about running in the summer. Uh, we're going to talk about what to watch out for to stay safe and healthy while you're running in the heat over the summer. Different summer running stories. Hopefully uh, you guys brought some funny ones because I need to be entertained tonight to stay awake. There are benefits to summer training. We're going to talk about that too. Thomas is going to, in his words, stump the crap, the crap out, out of us. But first, we got some current events. So, what do we have that's current? Hey, how's it right. going? Um, yeah, I got some current back, events. Back to you, Thomas. Hey, anytime. <laughs> I swear it's not a, a very me-centric episode. After this, I'll I'll go back into my hole. Current events for running—they're always there. There's always something awesome going on. We got some great websites that we get our information from and we get these awesome stories from. And we have a couple good ones here, a couple barn burners here to talk about. First one, and this is pretty cool. This is more of a human interest story than it is something that impacts, I guess, all of us. This is a, not a, a common disease that this person has and she's working through and she's kind of, as you're going to hear, she's strived through a lot of her own personal barriers, a lot of her own personal speed bumps she's had to go over. But Lindsay Walter, uh, as a child, I believe she was two years old, she got an autoimmune disease called alopecia where all of her hair had fallen out. So as, at a very young age, she started wearing wigs and that was just her life. Kids found out that she had a wig and they made fun of her as kids do because kids are horrible. Whenever you're a kid in school, I love my kids. This is the second reference I've made about kids and in a negative light. But, you know, I do love my kids. Anyway, she would wear the wig then to avoid embarrassment. She was a competitive person. She played college basketball. She was an athlete. Um, she never took the wig off, though. It turned into situations where she got bad rashes on her head. She used double-sided tape to keep her wig on during. So since she was so competitive, she had scars and she had wounds from doing that and she couldn't get over that comp from having that young childhood issues with other kids and she was very self-aware of it well she started de deciding to run marathons and her goal was to run 27 marathons by the time she was 27 spoiler alert she ended up breaking through that i think she ran 30 plus marathons before she hit 27 but in one of her training cycles on her 20 mile run she decided she just felt that you know it was time to take the wig off, and she ran the rest of her training run without the wig on, and she decided to try one of her marathons without it. And since then, just having running and letting it free you, as we've talked about before, the reasons why we do it, part of it is it is a very freeing experience to, to, uh, to run and have that as part of your life. Well, now she's completely gotten rid of the wig from what, we've, from what the article shares, and now she doesn't, she just runs, she runs bald, she lives bald, and she's completely fine with it. Something that running helped her get over. So, gentlemen, what do you what do you think about when you hear a story like this or you read a story like this? 
I love it because the story specifically mentions that before races, like nobody, nobody pays attention to it. People are rubbing her head for good luck. And, you know, we've talked about it before on the podcast about some of the, the things you go through training and the sacrifices you make. And when you step to the start line of a race, everybody's made some of those similar sacrifices and there's those nerves. And I think running connects people in a way that you see past some of those superficial things. And you just realize like, this is a person that's spent a lot of time, a lot of effort and put, uh, put a lot of themselves into this. And I think you tend to see through the, su the superficial things to get to some of that, that deeper commitment. And so I, I love that. I think it's one of the great things about running is that recognition that, you know, everybody's going through something and they, they can, turn it into their running and pour it into their running. And, and when you start at that start line, uh, it's you're seeing beyond those things. I love it. I mean, yeah, I mean, running isn't, it's a sport for, you know, us common guys and uh, us common guys and women, we, you know, we're able to go out and, and part participate in this. We have the same goal and our goal isn't to, look cool sure we like flashy shoes and you know stuff like that but our, that's not our goal to look good or to have great hair or anything like that our goal is to go out and run complete runs complete races and it seemed like she found that when she went through that 20 mile run there was something she was so obviously self-conscious about i mean we can't none of us can relate to what she's gone through since she was four I mean, I'm going bald now, but that's it's totally different. One, I'm a guy. I can shave it and nobody bats an eye. But to go through that and have to, you know, go get in a corral with thousands of strangers, I mean, that takes serious guts. But it's awesome how the community, which we've talked so much about since Cleveland with the uh, passing of Taylor Sipo, you know, we talked about how the community rallied around her and it's people who didn't even know her. This is the same thing. People are rallying around Lindsay. They don't even know her. They don't know why she's bald. It could be, you know, representing somebody who has cancer or something like that and, and shaving her head in solidarity. That's not what it is. She has this disease that's not very well known. Probably the most famous person to have it is Charlie Villanueva, the uh, old basketball player. For, he played for the Toronto Raptors for a while. Yeah. I did not know that. I remember him more from the Bucks. I did not know that. Huh. Oh, you remember him from the Bucks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Fair do? enough. But yeah, he had it and he was very outspoken about it. And he did a lot of things in the community, especially with kids who suffer from that. It's just really cool to see what sports can do. And when you're not a professional athlete, you have running. You can always have running. And you can get some of that same impact from the community. So I think it's great. I love it. Yeah, I, I have no different opinions than what you've shared. It's amazing to be able to overcome those self-consciousness uh, feelings that we get throughout life. Even those folks who don't have diseases can run and they can see it as a freeing experience, regardless of you know, race, gender, um, sexual orientation, anything like that. It's, it's, it's for everybody and everybody should enjoy it. Happy pride month, by the way, to everybody who's listening. Second current event, we're going to switch things up and we're going to talk about helping out the world instead of running to help yourself going out there and running to help clean up the world. So Michelob ultra, they're a beer company 
they were seeking some environmentally friendly runners to earn 95 spots. You can only earn one spot per person, but 95 people can earn a spot into the New York Marathon with Michelob Ultra as the sponsor. But there's a catch. This is not a fundraising endeavor. This is not raising money to get you into a slot or into a team. You'll have to incorporate something called plogging, not pogs like those 80s awesome um, cardboard little circles, but plogging, P-L-O-G-G-I-N-G, which is a combination of jogging, although I don't know why they call it jogging. It could be plunning. I prefer plunning. I like plunning better. Um, Every time they talk about it in a good way, they still call it jogging. Whenever they talk about running in a bad way, it's running. Anyway, combination of jogging and picking up litter is plogging. So if you can incorporate it into your routine of picking up litter whilst running, you might get a spot into the New York City Marathon, one of the, you know, the elite marathons, one of the majors in the world. You just got to pick up some trash. So would you be interested in something like this? Do you like this alternative approach? Andrew, we'll start with you. What do you think? As somebody who runs on the towpath in Maslin frequently, I think this is awesome. I think it's a great initiative. There, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of opportunity to pick up trash on trails from campers who aren't respectful, maybe fishermen who aren't respectful. Go out and do that stuff, but clean up after yourself. I see it plenty on the towpath, and we have trash cans probably what every two or three miles, maybe. Yeah, I'm going to start looking for it, and I'll pick it up and see what I can collect and take it to trash can. I don't need an entry to the New York City Marathon, but I have seen that this is because I have seen this a little more on uh, social networks where people are picking up trash and trying to find things like this on their runs. But I think it's just amazing that, that that's our place, that's our stadium. So, yeah, keep it clean. And for a company to come out and do this and encourage it, give it some more publicity, I think that's just, that's awesome. Yeah, do it. Pick up trash when you're out running. I have a pet peeve, and this is something every race I think about, and especially being somebody who, let's just say, takes their time when they're doing the course. Uh, I'm going through the water stations after a good amount of people have gone through the water stations. And one thing about Cleveland, I didn't mention this in the last episode because I'm just thinking about it right now. They didn't have a lot of trash cans at the water stations. I'm somebody, whenever I run and I drink the water, I look for a trash can to throw it into. I'm not just going to throw it on the ground. Usually at races, they have people raking up the, I'm doing a raking motion, um, uh, raking up the cups and putting them into trash cans as the race is going on. And I don't care about the whole running on cups thing. That I'm not saying this because I want my race time to be better. I'm just saying it, it looks bad for the running yeah. community when people just grab cups, toss them on the ground, and they don't care, and they just keep going. I do That's try my to hit box. the trash can. I, I try to hit the trash can. I'm not going to slow down so much where I'm guaranteeing I hit the trash can. I will try, though. No, the, the Cleveland race, I... I would fold the cup up and hold it until I saw a trash can that was oh, close to the road. Trash cans at all? Okay. There were no trash cans at all. So 
Anyway, um, Adam, what do you think about this alternative to fiscal fundraising? I, I keep hearing I keep hearing Ron Burgundy's voice when he's talking about jogging or or maybe jogging. jogging. It's a silent J. Yes, um, it, it's I love it. I love it in the same way that Andrew said. You know, running running is running outside. It's our stadium, and I run the towpath as well. I just ran a race on the towpath yesterday, and I just think anything you can do to keep just nature in general looking better is something that's worthwhile. And it, it doesn't even have to be runners that are doing it. I just, I like exploring nature in general. I'm so happy that summer's almost here because I like to get out and hike and, and run and just you know, get out into the metro parks as much as I can. But, you know, we've talked about running for a cause in the past and, and fundraising is obviously a very noble cause, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with finding different ways to make an impact. And, and this is a really good way to make an impact uh, on the world. And something else that I think this allows people to do in a, in a, for for impacting the world around getting into a race fundraising some of those fundraising goals can be fd uh you know the guest that we had on a couple weeks ago erica Janer and heather mcclellan thousand dollars each to get into the london marathon i mean that's huge whereas just going out and picking up trash is something you can do without any effort it's nothing that you know you can do that easily so i, I love the idea that with that low sort of entry barrier to doing something that other people can pick up and do it quickly and not have to worry about like jumping through hoops to fundraise. I think it's a great idea. I think what it is kind of the thing is cool. And it's maybe not related to it's really what Adam just said. It's maybe not related to picking out trash. I wonder like, what are some other types of incentive? Like what are other things you could incentivize with this besides picking up trash? I'm not necessarily asking for an answer right now. I mean, if you have an idea in your head, but just things that impact your community around you where you can have challenges like this, where you're doing certain things to increase your chances or meet a marker to have a chance at an entry at a race like this. You do volunteer uh, hours. I like that. Working volunteer hours at different places or uh, if you, you know, if you bring like X amount of filled backpacks, fill up a certain right. amount of backpacks and take them to different areas. And, you know, the logistics behind it would be tough. I know because then you'd have people who are cheating the system. Oh, I know somebody who works for a nonprofit. So I'll just say that I worked with them for 300 hours or something like that throughout the year. Um, but no, I, I think working in a community would be a great, would be a great method of, of doing it. Because sometimes fiscal donations, depending on the area that you donate it, not everybody uses the money the way they probably should. Right. Yeah. But those are our current events. We only had two this week, and and we agreed on all of them. I really need to pick out some current events that make us argue with each other, because that's what the people want. The people want us to be angry with each other. Crossfire. I've been crossfire. We turn this into an episode of. Fox News. We're gonna just start arguing and yelling at each other. Ooh, let's let's not ever utter those words on this podcast <laughs> again. <sighs> I don't even know if I want to go any further now. No, yes, we do. We're gonna go forward and we're gonna talk about summer running. So, Andrew, summer running. Take it away. So it's summer. Well. Real quick, it's not summer. It's still spring, and it's very obvious here in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's the old saying? June showers 
No, April showers bring May flowers, bro. You're a couple months behind. <laughs> I'm not. The weather is, though. That's for sure. It has been raining. I just want hot weather right now. I want hot weather that I can just go get in our pool in our backyard, lay out, work up a sweat just sitting there, and we can't get that. But it must be I hard know. in a kiddie pool because then your feet are sticking out and they're not what? They're not covered. Okay. Uh, do you have any great summer running stories, Adam? I don't have like any fiasco type stories. I've had some runs though where things seem to be going really well and then all of a sudden you can kind of feel the wheels coming off and I've I've become better at planning some of my runs because of that. Uh, there was specifically a run last summer on the towpath where I started at Peninsula and ran, I think it was a 60 mile run. So I ran eight miles south and then turned around and ran back and I was lucky because at the eight mile mark, right where I turned around, there was a little tunnel. And at that point, it was a really hot day. It was a Sunday. It was really hot. I hadn't planned really well to avoid some of the heat. And I, I, I was just, I was hurting. I was in bad shape. So I, 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 you know, paused my watch and stood under that tunnel for a little bit and kind of cooled down and stayed out of the sun. It was the sun beating down on me that really got to me. And then I turned around and started heading back and, you know, slowed the pace down considerably and probably about four miles, probably like the halfway mark between the start and the, the turnaround point. There's a visitor center that has water fountains. And so I stopped and, and hydrated and filled my water bottle and cooled down. And so it, it's not this like great story with something funny happening. It's just one of those stories where you kind of realize that things can get out of your control really fast and you should be smart about planning just like you would for a winter run. You're going to layer and make sure that you're you know, not going to put yourself in a position where you could hurt yourself. You got to do the same in the summer because things can go bad very quickly. How about you guys? Any good summer running stories? There you go, Thomas. I don't have a story, but it's more of a, not a phenomenon either. I think this is somewhat normal because I've run into a couple runners, no pun intended, that have come up with the same thing. But when I'm running, especially long distances, uh, so if I have a fall full marathon that I've done, and I've done that a few times, and when I have these double-digit training runs that I go on, and it's really hot and it's really humid out, whenever I get back, whenever I'm done with the run, my legs and my knees and everything, it's like there is um, laundry detergent, like there are soap suds. I actually generate soap suds on my legs. What? I've never heard I, I of kid this. You, I kid you. You've never heard of this? No. Well, I kid you not. I, I, I legit turn into a washing machine when I'm running. And this is not like right now. I'm not in my best shape. I'm not living my best self when it comes to my exercise life. But even back a few years ago when I was trim, looking, looking good, and I was running and I had quicker times than I've ever had. It still happens when it's hot enough out. And I, I will say I, I am a sweater. I sweat. So I think that's just a combination of running in clean clothes and all the sweat that I generate whilst running. And it turns into a, um, a sudsy experience. Do you guys uh, skip the rent cycle? I just, no, I just, uh, <laughs> Keep the, the Thomas on spin. 
keep the spin cycle the whole time. I just keep spinning. I keep churning. So I, it's just me. that You've never heard of that before, either of you. Andrew, you've never heard of that? No, I haven't. I go shirtless all the time, so I never have. Shirtless is yeah. If you have to question if you have if you should run shirtless or not, you shouldn't run shirtless. So that's the camp that I'm in. If I if I ask myself, should I do it? No, you shouldn't do it. I I I commend you for being able to do that, Andrew. I'm not I'm not being like, you know, the Thomas Andrew shtick that we have. I'm legit (laughs) like jealous that you can do that with your sick your sickly body. I love showing off my ribs. Moving on. What's your story, Andrew? Uh, well, I've had this happen to me twice. Uh, but there was one time specifically, I remember it was my last long run before Columbus, uh, the year that I PR'd. And we had a family function in the afternoon. And there was like big lunch and everything. And since I was in the throes of marathon training, I was so hungry all the time. So I ate plenty and I was like, you're going to wait a few hours anyways because you're going to try to let try to let it cool down a little bit cuz you know this is probably like labor day weekend so it's still pretty warm and or not labor day weekend it would have been last weekend of September uh but uh so i i eat and i get ready to go out i think it was like 14 16 miles and i get we're going to talk about this later. This is when I learned not to do this, but I ran my distance out and I was like, Oh boy, that lunch is coming back to get me. But fortunately there's a porta potty over there. It's probably like 80 degrees outside. I was feeling pretty good. Oh. At front, but it was like, oh. it was like sunny too. Going into a porta potty at 80 degrees. is oh. oh, Continue please. Oh God. It must've been, <laughs> 120 degrees in there. Oh. oh, it was awful. I was in there for no more than a minute, and That's I got out. Too long. I I got out, and I was like, I should have just left the door open. <laughs> it was, I and I could not. I actually had to call my wife to come get me. I could not continue my run. I I tried to get going, and I was just that little bit of time in that extreme heat it just zapped every bit of running energy i had and i was done and i was like seven or eight miles from my car and so i wasn't walking you to how long did it take you to get that smell out of your nose i probably just sweated it out oh not like soap well mine did not smell like 120 (laughs) degree porta potty i'll take mine over yours any day bub Andrew, yeah, 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 Andrew. Adam agrees with me. It was very much so. They <laughs> happened once, though. I don't, I don't have that happen all the time. Well, mine is a cleanliness thing. I'm, I'm too darn clean. <laughs> which you is the polar out. Hey, you know what? Don't use bub. All right, Keep I'm Wolverine in this that. podcast. Okay, <laughs> not you. <laughs> So what are some tips that you, Adam, what are some tips that, what are some things to look out for while we're talking about these summer running challenges? What are some things that people should really keep an eye out for? Uh, the first one's obvious and that's dehydration. Now there is a sort of, it's, it's common knowledge or, you know, the conventional wisdom that if you are thirsty, it's already a sign you're dehydrated. That's, that's not true. 
If you're thirsty, you're not dehydrated. There have been plenty of studies on this that there are elite racers that finish races in a dehydrated state that are are fine. I think the the general rule of just simply when you're thirsty, drink is a good rule to follow as long as you make sure that you replenish fluids when you're done. If you're watching out for dehydration, watch for things like dry mouth. If you have a sudden onset headache, excessive fatigue, if you find yourself confused, I have experienced every now and then I'll have a sudden drop in my blood sugar and it'll just, just all energy leaves me. I have a sudden drop in blood sugar. It, it's, I labor to continue forward. You know, those are things where you need to, to stop running, get yourself hydrated, find some shade if you can. Uh, you can avoid it if you run cooler times of day, make sure that you get plenty of fluids after. Uh, so that's certainly one thing you should be looking out for is dehydration. I must always be dehydrated because I'm always excessively fatigued and confused. That's just life, man. Yeah, the confusion part, I think, is just embedded in your genes. I don't mm-hmm. think that's anything about, <laughs> about the summer heat. Because we've done a lot of episodes in the winter where I think there was still some confusion underlying there. You weren't with us yet. I listened to every, <laughs> I listened to every episode. That was the only pre. You, you were the only one. That was I, I was pre Jeff Lammers. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Jeff who took second in the Towpath Ten Miler yesterday. I didn't see him there, but uh, he he took seconds. You can't see him because he's running so darn fast. Oof. No. How do you miss that mustache? How fast is his kid? My goodness. Right. Anyway. I don't know. Um, what else we got, Adam? So first thing to look out for, dehydration. Boom. Second thing. Heat stroke. This is one of those things that I look back at that run last year that I was talking about and where the wheels fell off quickly. I, I didn't have heat stroke, but it was one of those situations where I could tell if I really tried to push it much further, I was going to start risking that. You're going to have, you know, symptom-wise, you're going to have some similarities to dehydration, the headache, the dry mouth, nausea, dizziness, really heavy sweating, and an inability to regulate temperature. I know, Andrew, you dealt with that at the Cleveland Half Marathon last month. Cramping. Uh, this is another one of those things where, you know, summer running is great, but you got to be smart about how you do it. Run in cooler temperatures. Have you, any of you guys used a pace calculator ever to, to time out your summer runs? No. Tell me more. So basically the idea behind a pace calculator is that, you know, say you're going to be training for a race and you need to run a, a, an interval run at, you know, your 5k pace, six, six minutes a mile. Well, typically those paces are going to be for a temperature of like 60 degrees or lower. But when you start adding in heat and heat index, you need to essentially, kind of recalibrate what you're going to be doing because if you don't the extra effort your body needs to put into cooling you down means that a, a six minute mile is going to actually feel harder and be harder on your body than it would be at cooler temperatures so i use one that the hansons have there's a mcmillan pace calculator basically you just go to it you could if you just search you know pace calculator online you can you know pull these up you'll just simply enter what is the pace that i'm supposed to run you enter in some uh, some information like what's the temperature, what's the heat index, and it will tell you, okay, instead of running a six-minute mile today, run a, a six minute mile. And that way you are training at the same effort instead of overtraining. Because if you're going to try to run, you know, 
I'm sure you guys know this. If you try to run a seven minute mile in 60 degree weather and then try to get an 85 degree weather, it's a whole different sort of animal. So it's a way of training smarts so that you don't overdo it and hurt yourself or, you know, start dealing with things like dehydration, heat exhaustion. I think also I think something can... else. Is... Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, and just focus on effort level. Yeah. I, I, I won't over the summer have time like pace times, goal times that I want to run. I just understand what each run is. I understand what a tempo right. run is. I mean, fortunately, I've done this, you know, numerous times, so I'm able right. to. I kind of know what the the feeling is, but you know, focusing on percentage effort level—that's really where I'll, I'll. Have, I mean, I train like that most of the time, anyways. But especially, I do. it's just. Yeah, I think it's the way to go. I, I train like with ranges in mind, so that if I have to do an interval run, I'll have a range of okay, I'm going to run between six and. 610 or 615 i give myself some leeway so that if i'm a little fatigued or whatever i can you know essentially do that and get in the sort of training that i need to do without burning out i think something else that's really smart here and this is where that planning comes in say you're going to do an out and back i love out and backs because i like to go to different metro parks and kind of explore the area but when you're talking about running in the summer you need to be a little bit smarter about how you plan some of those longer runs because let's say say you've got a, a 20 mile out and back we're gonna run 10 miles out and then come back if you're on 10 miles out and figure out that like crap the wheels are falling off here and you're in a place that's not really shady and you decide you need to stop you're talking about having to turn around and walk 10 miles back possibly out in the heat which might just further exacerbate your symptoms so you've got to be smart take a phone with you if you're worried about it uh, plan it out and back where maybe you park like halfway about the course where you'd want to go so that you can maybe run a quarter of the way out and then turn around and be back at your car and up halfway through the workout. And then you can decide I'm going to keep going in the opposite direction now and run, you know, the next quarter and then come back and be good. So that way you give yourself an out. If halfway through the workout, you just know it's not happening today. You're in a position where you can get yourself to someplace safe and cool as opposed to, being 10 miles away from your car and kind of being out in no man's land where you're just stuck in the conditions. Cause the whole idea is you need to get yourself cool and hydrated as quickly as possible. Yeah. And even if you're not necessarily suffering from symptoms, I think scheduling your planning your runs that way, when you give yourself that out, you know, there's the times you're totally fine to keep going. You don't have heat stroke or severe dehydration, but you're just like, man, this just sucks. But when you're able to see your car, maybe stop and get a drink, but you know you can just turn the AC on, sit down, and you know be much more comfortable. When you're able to keep going, and you're able to get the second half of your run in, I mean, you not only did you get you know ten miles of a twenty mile run, not only did you finish that second half, but you just increase your mental strength so much when right. you have that out and you follow through on your workout. Don't follow through on your workout if you're sick. That's just a – you're just not very smart if you do that. Let's call it what it is. But to, you know, focus on getting through your workout and breaking through some of those walls when you have an out is just so – it's such a good feeling. Absolutely. I think something else to look out for too, and this isn't really a physical safety issue. It's more of just 
the challenges, and I don't mean challenges in a negative way here, but the challenges that summer presents. I don't know about you guys. I am not a winter outdoor person, so I really live for summer, and I love it, but that means that I've got essentially things that are pulling me away from running. Like gardening? Yes, like gardening. I do love my gardening. You know, going to Indians games, going hiking, spending time with friends, drinking beers on patios. All those things are things that I really can't do in the winter and really look forward to. And, you know, when you're training for a race and you're putting a lot of effort into it, that's great. You need to put that effort in. You need to enjoy it. But at the same time, you need to not be, you need to not be a slave for it, to it because you do need to live life. You do need to enjoy some of those things that life presents. And so you need to be one reasonable about what your goals are. If you're just looking to run a race versus run a PR, those are different goals with different intensities with training. But two, part of training is recovery and enjoying life. And you need to make sure that you take advantage of that. So, you know, be mindful of your social time, plan it a little bit. Like if you know, you've got a 20 mile long run, maybe don't go out and hammer three or four beers on a patio, but don't feel like you can't ever do that in the summer just because you're running like there's a way to balance it and just really try to seek and find out that balance but don't don't deny yourself those things that summer provides because at least up here in ohio we wait a really long time for nice weather it's almost mid-june it's it is mid-june and we still still haven't really had it yeah we we've had one nice day this year we had one 88 degree and sunny day race day Savannah, Georgia, by the way, was amazing. The weather was humidity a little too much for me, but dang. Uh, I was talking to the wedding planners for the wedding. And man, they, they do weddings all year round. The weather's always nice down there. I think we just, uh, maybe we should change from Rust Belt running to um, Atlantic Shore running. I don't know. We can move all down to the southeast. Yeah. As long as like we get like relocation assistance from the podcast, I'm cool with that. I we can love take it out of the. Bank, so. We can take it out of the petty cash fund. Okay. okay. Damn, that would be a lot of petty cash. <laughs> we got it. This, this podcast is making, you know, fistfuls of dollars. Like very, like baby fistfuls, because <laughs> just just one little baby doll fist. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> So here's the thing for our it's listeners. Sad, we, it's we, not even that. <laughs> no, it's not. Zero dollars. Uh, you know, so for our listeners. We do this for the there, love of the podcast. We do this mm-hmm. for you people. That's why we're out here. Exactly. And we don't want you to think that summer running is awful. We've talked about some of the challenges, but really, I love running in the summer. I would imagine you guys feel the same way. Yeah, it's like training at altitude. It's the same it thing. Is. It is, and that's the thing, is that summer does come with some great benefits. And Andrew, you just touched on one, so talk a little bit more about that. You know, it's like oh. training at altitude. It is. Uh, when you're training at altitude, it increases red blood cells in your body's efficiency in moving oxygen through your body. When you're training in the heat, you're getting that same response from your body. It may not be as consistent as if you live it, you know, 5,280 feet, if you live a mile high, you're always going to be running at a mile high. We do have cooler days over the summer when it rains and stuff, but when you're able to consistently get out there and put in workouts in the heat, it's beneficial to you, especially as you get ready to head into a cooler, hopefully, 
cool air fall race. So take advantage of, of it. The, it's there. I think one of the smartest things I read leading up to the podcast was that you should view running in the heat as the same sort as like a training stimulus in much the same way you would view running a hill, running intervals, adding mileage to your training plan. Like it is a stimulus. And so use it to your advantage, even though it presents those challenges. I like, uh, I like the longer days to run. One of the things I hate about winter is 4.30 comes along and your day's over and it's dark and you can't run because I prefer running in the in the evening. I don't always get a chance to do it now with my job, but I love running in the evening when it gets a little bit cooler. The sun's not high up in the sky. I love sunsets and I love just that idea of having longer days, more flexibility in my schedule to train. You don't have to love running in the evening to appreciate the longer days because <laughs> – even if you wake up at five o'clock to go run in the winter, it's just dark. And that's next to impossible to do. You're tired. Yeah. It's one thing to wake up when the sun is beginning to come out and you get a run during a sunrise. But man, when you wake up and it's 20 degrees outside and you're not going to see the sun until you're halfway through your drive to work, which is an hour and a half, two hours away. Right. Yeah, that's, that's soul crushing. Then you're going to come home just in time to not see the sun some more. Right. Let me go back to our daylight savings conversation and figure out who to talk to about changing. That. <laughs> I, I, I still have a feeler. I'll let you know what I hear. So it sounds like you are both summer running advocates. Is that your favorite season to run in? Oh, absolutely. Now run, not race, but run. It's, Correct. It's funny because I will, over the winter, run on one of those just blustery, cold days. And I swear, I hate win running in the winter. And don't ever tell me to complain about doing this in the summer. But then I'll have a day where I have to get in a run. And you wake up and it's 80 degrees with 80% humidity. And I run in that sort of weather. And I go, ah, I'd prefer to be running in the winter. At least you could layer up and you don't deal with this. What I will say is that I've never had a bad fall race. And I think it's because summer allows me to train more consistently. And when fall races tend to be cooler than what you train in the summer, you do get faster. You do have all those, you know, advantages that Andrew talked about. And I think there's a reason that I've always run better in the fall. And it's because training in the summer just prepares me better for racing. I just like working up a really good sweat. I don't know why that that's something I got from my dad because my dad's the same way. I love just working up an amazing sweat and having a beer afterwards. Thomas does. We still have our video feed, and I'm just watching Thomas's face. <laughs> well, you keep talking about sweat, and you're almost getting romantic about it. Mm, I just, I just I love mean. sweat. <laughs> uh, my okay, my favorite season. I I love running in the winter. I don't know what it is. I I have this same philosophy of just living. I love the winter. You can you can only discard so many layers of clothing before the authorities get called. I love running in the winter because I can I can layer up. I get a good ice beard going. A friend of mine he ran up. This was for a spring race, a spring marathon, and um, I was running it in April. And so I was running in January. I was running in January and February for this race. And I'll tell you some of the best 
ones I went out there for was when it's like single digits and I've got, you know, my winter cap on, I've got long sleeve, like I've got a running jacket, I've got gloves, I've got layers, I've got the, the running leggings with shorts over it because I respect myself and some good socks and good, as well as the people that might pass you. Yeah. Uh, and less people are out to driving. I know it's all, it's, it's done at dark in the darkness or not done at dark, but when it's dark outside, but if you wear a good jacket, that's reflective and it gives you safety and you're going out there and people can see you. I just, I love a good chili run. They come back, get a nice cup of coffee. So I'm like the anti Andrew. We're kind of like, we're kind of like yin and yang. Yeah. Yeah. I, winter, I, I will enjoy like, two of those types of runs every winter uh, i'll like i'll go out for one when it's five degrees outside and i'll be like ah oh, this is silly like it's like going out for the novelty of it mm-hmm. and then go out in one when there's like eight inches of snow on the roads and i could throw on a pair of yak tracks that i don't know why i bought them because i never go in that weather mm, because the running community told you that you need yak tracks andrew yep <laughs> Dude, I went through a phase when I first got into running. I bought every accessory there was. We should do a whole podcast episode about this, talking about stuff that we bought for running and we never used. I bought a belt that I wore one time. The water bottles fell out of it, and I threw it to the side of the trail. (laughs) If only somebody would have been behind me to pick it up, they could have gotten. They could have been one of the lucky ninety-five people to get entry to the New York City Marathon. Yeah, because you littered. I know. I feel seriously. Thirty minutes after you talked about how you're such an environmentalist. (laughs) Okay, I didn't litter thirty minutes after I talked about it. I confessed to littering. That's okay. I'm not People gonna... can change. I'm glad to see you've grown as a person. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, guys. I didn't know what Yak Tracks were. I thought Are you were you looking it up right more. now. I, I did. They're yeah. actually they're actually useful if you run like trails and stuff over the winter. But I I'm not see that. And I think that's probably why I don't know what they are. I don't run trails, so. To be fair, I got them for like fifteen bucks, and it was during one of those winters where it was like two degrees every day. And it's also for road... people who don't shovel their sidewalks, which is everybody. Nobody shovels their sidewalks. I live in Canton. What are sidewalks? What are you talking about? There are plenty of sidewalks in Canton. I, used, I live in I've, done, I've done so much marathon training. There's so many sidewalks in Canton. No. Don't 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 shame the good name of Canton, Ohio. Just I love you have though. one street that doesn't have a sidewalk on it. Yes, half the sidewalks that do exist are like <laughs> one tile is like six inches above the next one. I never said anything about the condition of the sidewalks, <laughs> I just said they're there. They exist. <laughs> they exist. <sighs> Any final words about summer running, or are you guys ready to get stumped? Stump away, sir. Stump away. Oh, man. This is great. Since we're talking about summer, and summer starts off this week, and also because Cleveland, Ohio, the Cleveland, Ohio, is the home of what this summer, gentlemen? The All-Star Game? The All-Star yeah. Game, a.k.a. the one summer. One for one. Yes. No, that was not one of the questions. You get no points. Uh, God have mercy on your soul. Uh, uh, no, it's the Summer Classic. So these questions are all going to be historical questions about the summer classic 
So all for right. all you non-sports fans out there, we've kind of moved away from the other sports outside of running because running is a sport. We've kind of moved away from that on the pod. So if you don't like sports, this is probably the time where you're just going to hit the stop button. But it's going to be fun because they're not going to know a lot of these answers. And it's going to be a great time. I will keep score because that's what a good producer does. Um, there are nine questions. I think I don't need, I didn't even count them. There's a good amount of questions. And whoever wins gets all the praise and admiration that comes with the fistfuls of money we've collected. <laughs> the baby fistful. It's just one. Don't do plural, singular. Okay, so we will start. Um, who wants to go first? I'll go. Okay. Okay. Okay, Adam, well, I, yeah. ooh, Adam. I know Adam is a very big baseball fan, but sorry, Adam, none of these questions have anything to do with Roberto Perez. First question: How many stadiums? How many stadiums have hosted an All Star Game and a World Series in the same season? Holy cow! How many stadiums? Wow, that's wow. I don't know. Give me a number. Um. That's gotta be that's gotta be a small number. I'm gonna say four. Oh, the number was ten. Ten stadiums have hosted an all-star game and a world series in this same season. Andrew. I, one of them was Turner Field, I believe. I don't have that information. Andrew, it's your turn. Next question. Kind of an extension off of that. Which team was the last one to host both in the same season? Which team was the last one to host a World Series and All-Star game in the same season? I only need the team name. I won't even the ask 80s. you for the year. You know, whenever I was making this, I thought they're probably going to think the Yankees because they have hosted a World Series. They have hosted an All-Star game recently, but it is the 1997 Cleveland Indians. They are the last team. To- wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with it being... In, I thought we would have had something more recent. That's why mm-hmm. I was... 1997 is pretty recent, I guess. That's only 22 years. Oh, God, that's so far away. Okay. Adam, back to you. Yes. Which city hosted the first All-Star game? New York. Oh, sorry. It's Chicago. Damn Com- Comiskey Park in 1933. I feel like there were like three options for that answer being yeah. Chicago, Boston, and New York. That was you've my watched, thought. You've watched too much Ken Burns baseball because all they talked about was the city of New York. But no, it was Chicago. It was Chicago. Um, good job. So far, if you're keeping home at score, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. So you haven't had to write down too much Shut in out. terms of the score. It's yeah, I'm stumping game. you. I'm stumping you so far. Like uh, Trevor Bauer yesterday. Yeah, congratulations, Trevor. I did not think that, that was his first ever complete game shutout. In the pros, like any level. I never thought that. I thought he's had some. Whenever I heard that, I was like, oh, that can't be. But they get paid for it. Um, Not as much as we get paid. Next one. That's sad. Andrew, player's name. I just need the name of the player. Who has had the most career all-star game hits? Mm. Barry Bonds. Oh, so sorry. Willie Mays. Willie Mays was the most hits in baseball, all-star game history. Next question to you, Adam. Who was the oldest player to play in an MLB all-star game? I don't even need the age. I just need the name. Satchel Page. What? 
Adam, you dog. It was Satchel Page. Do you know how old he was? Uh, 44. 47. Are you cheating, 47? by the way? I feel Satchel like Page really up, quick. Like, yeah, he pulled up like rando all-star facts. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just happened to stumble on the right answer at the right question at the right time. Oh, of course. Good job. No, Adam, you are you are knowledgeable, not just in summer running, but in also obscure baseball history. Andrew, it's one to zero. There's still plenty of time to come back. Who was the youngest player to play in an MLB All-Star game? Damn, I'm not very good at this. Do you want a hint? No, I don't like cheating. Okay, well, shoot, then. You're not going to get Mike it right. Trout. Who is it? Mike Trout. Dwight Gooden. Dwight Gooden, 19 wonder, years old. I wonder how close Bob Feller is to that. Uh, well, um, not not he was not 19 years old, 17 months and four days, which is Apparently what Dwight not. Gooden was. 17 months? Yes, that's what I said. Okay. <laughs> that's, I, that must be a miscue on my part. Uh, I think it was probably seven months. You know, typing. Yeah, typing is hard. sounds right. That's um, okay. I was on lunch at work when I did this. Okay, you should be happy. No worries, bud. No worries. I have complete. I have complete questions on here. Adam, back to you. How many grand slams have been hit in the history of the All Star Game? Twenty-seven. Grand slams. There's been one. One grand slam in the history of the All Star Game. I was way off. You were a little bit off there. I should almost yeah. deduct your point. I won't, Andrew. Who hit that grand slam? I will give you a crisp dollar bill in real life from our petty cash fund if you can if you actually know the answer to this. Golly. That was a very horrible Gomer Pyle impersonation. I don't freaking know. Who'd you say? John Allerud. I'm just going real obscure. It's got to be, if that's right. <laughs> no, <laughs> that not, was- no, it's not. In 1983, the Angel center fielder Fred Lynn. <laughs> no way. <laughs> All I remember of John Allerud is him wearing his batting helmets while playing the field. Yeah, yeah, it was. It yeah, was just like it was like what they make the base coaches wear now. Yeah, yeah. Flap. Oh, speaking of baseball, I went when I was in Savannah. There was a minor league baseball team, an independent league baseball team named the Savannah Bananas. And I bring this up because, of course, we went because I will find a sporting event anywhere I travel to. And we're talking about the first base coach. The first base coach, like their whole shtick there is they're an independent team. They don't have any team they report up to. They're all about entertainment. Everything they do is entertainment. Their first base coach between pitches, if they score runs, he's like doing flips without using his hands. He's just like jumping and flipping in the air. He's dancing. And it's like, this is amazing stuff. If you ever get a chance, if you're in Savannah, Georgia, the tickets sell out. Like they sell out just about all of their games. And this is a minor league team, an independent team. Um, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch, but we're not John Allerud must be involved somehow. John Allerud is not the first base coach of the Savannah Bananas. I can tell you that. Um, I can confirm that. All right, Adam. It's one to zero. I'm doing pretty good at stumping you guys so far. This is, yeah. So which two Indians players have had the most all-star games as an Indian? 
Also, how many? Oh. Oh, that second part of that question is brutal. That is rough. Well, to give you to give you a hint, both of them have the same amount because ah. they're tied. So you only have to think of one number. You're welcome. Man. Manny Ramirez and Jim Tomey with seven each. No. Oh. The correct answer is eight. And the Cleveland Indians are Bob Feller and Lou Boudreau. Okay. AKA the guys who have statues, although, which doesn't say much because I think every player who's played for the Indians has a statue outside of Jacob's Cold Field. Old blooded, man. I, I, have like a very, I have a very firm stance on statues that if it's everybody like gets a statue, four. nobody should get a statue. No, they, you, you should not give Jim Tomey a statue. Yeah, they overdid it on Jim Tomey. Yeah, okay. Um, second place, there were three players who had seven. Um, none of them was were right Ramirez. No, it was Bob Lemon, Ken Keltner, and Larry Doby. Who Larry oh. Doby and Bob Lemon. Oh, no, Bob Lemon doesn't have a statue yet. Larry Doby does. Larry Doby does. None of the 90s Indians were that high. Larry Doby and Bob Feller. If they, you give them statues and that's it. You don't need any other statues. Maybe Kenny Lofton. All right. Andrew. Who within the Cleveland Indians organization has the most all-star appearances as an Indian today? So they're currently in the Indians organization. Who has the most all-star appearances? Not as an Indian, just... In general. No, as an Indian. Oh. Frankie. How many do you think Frankie has had? Four? Frankie and Corey Kluber have both had three. Damn. All-star appearances, but... In the Indians organization, the player with the most appearances as a Cleveland Indian is Sandy Alomar Jr. with six. Oh, that's I mean, oh, I'm that's, anyways, but that oh. I did tell you who within the Cleveland question. within the Cleveland Indians organization. You hear the thunder behind me. I got some well, backup, so don't mess with me, Andrew. Okay. I, I, I told you, and I even repeated the question within the organization, Sandy Alomar with six. So to recap the scores, not much to recap. Adam, you cheated and you got one right. It was the pitcher's duel today. <laughs> it was. This was a soccer score. This is a soccer slobber knocker. Um, it was. Good job, Adam. You won um, with it one was. point. Um, so really, if you count it out, I got like eight points. So I won. Congratulations. I stumped you. I told you I was going to be stumping today. U.S. Women's Golf Clap celebration over here. Hey, hey, I'm not celebrating, the okay? US Once I run the score up this high, I'm not allowed to I celebrate. <sighs> well, it was fun stumping you. I'm really glad. I'm really glad I'm healthy and, and back in Ohio to be able to stump you. Andrew, let's let's close it out if you're feeling like up you're up for it now after that uh demolishing. I guess I'm up for it. <laughs> Don't sound so sad. I mean it's hard to be sad when you have the amazing listeners we do. Oh, you know that that is very true. We do cherish everybody who listens to this podcast. You don't Thank have you. you could listen Jim. to any each and every listen, one of you. 
you could listen to any Ohio-based running podcast, and you listen to ours. So God bless you. Yeah. There's there's only one like us though. And there's probably only like four Ohio running podcasts. So we thank you for listening to us. Um, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Pod, Podfast, Podcasts. <laughs> I did so good with the outline today. It was bound to happen at some point. Um, and other reputable podcast platforms. We do ask, please, if you listen to us, if you like us, that you please review Rust Belt Running. That is the best way for people to discover us, for us to be found on these platforms without people necessarily having to search Rust Belt Running. We, we try to be like cool for all runners, so they should all find us. Uh, in the coming weeks, we are going to have one of our listeners. We have a habit of doing this. Bruce McIntosh. Hey, from he's the- not taking my job. It's one episode, okay, Bruce? Don't get your... You know, don't get your hopes up, bub. We'll have Bruce McIntosh from the Just a Runner podcast and our favorite reviewer coming on. Uh, we're working with uh, Allison Sedlock on coming back to the show. And we're going to have the Columbus Marathon race director, Darius Blackford, very soon. We're very much so looking forward to that as we're all going to be running Columbus. Right? Uh, I know I'm running. Adam's running. Thomas. Thomas. Um, Thomas. I'm. Um, Thomas. Let's uh, let's uh, keep going with the uh, outline. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of time before uh, October. We mentioned earlier that we both, and by both I mean fair all enough, three of enough. us, <laughs> plan on running Columbus this fall. We can't wait to talk to Darius. It's gonna be a that's gonna be a really fun interview. I think. Uh, so keep an eye out for on our social yeah. media because we're going to be asking you and ask us questions. We're going to be asking you what you want us to ask him. So make sure that you give us all of that information. And we are working on something with the Akron Marathon. And if this comes through, this is going to be – we're going to need another baby fist for all the money. <laughs> but that's okay. We're, we're thinking about transferring the baby fist of money to a – reputable place but we'll 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 share more as we kind of cook it out it, it's marinating right now we haven't yeah. put it it's it. it's still just it's a really good idea that's all it is it was your okay. idea too andrew i will it, bring it, that up it was your idea it was a good idea mm-hmm. so hopefully we have more to come on that in later episodes so keep listening stay tuned oh gosh you're <laughs> We're going to have more to that to come on our social media as well. Once we blow the cobwebs off. It's been real quiet on social media. Sorry about that. I know people are really looking for our Instagram presence um, to help get them through the day. But we're, we're, we're disabled. No, I don't, our, our account was not disabled or blocked unless you purposely blocked us. But you're probably not listening to us if you blocked our podcast uh, Instagram page. All right, so I think that uh, mercifully ends it for the week. What? Mercifully. Mercifully. Thomas, welcome back. It's so good to hear your voice. I miss you all so much.
and I'm sorry to our listeners who no longer get to experience the video feed. To that one listener who came and told us that they miss our video feed. Yeah, um, all, so. but, <laughs> but to that one visitor, there are 50 other people who like to listen to our audio podcast. So thank you to everybody. Honestly, thank you so much to everybody who listens um, because uh, we've had more success than we're ever used to with people listening. So keep up uh, sharing our show and we, we, uh, we like making it. We have fun. I mean, this is, we're doing this out of the, not the kindness of our heart. We do it because we love you all. That's, that's why I'm doing it. All right. I just posted something on the Instagram account, Thomas. It, what? This is, this is groundbreaking. People are going to listen to this and be like, oh, well, this actually happened like two days ago. But still, that's awesome. Andrew, you sound really tired. How are you doing, bub? I'm I'm up. <laughs> you sound like you're about to fall out. Like you're almost done with today. Oh man, uh, that happened down. four minutes ago. Well, go ahead and get some sleep, Sleeping Beauty. You need I it. I will. All right, Adam, Thomas, enjoy your Z's and enjoy your miles, everybody. Uh, bye, Felicia's.